0: is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. A little bit later on in the podcast, we're going to talk to Rob Dukes. He, of course, is the lead singer of Generation Kill, one of the best thrash metal bands out there. He's also the former lead singer of the band Exodus. So I'm sure you guys are very familiar with his work. He's a friend. He's a huge hockey fan, huge Ranger fan. So we're going to talk to him coming up in a little bit, but I, but before we do that, I just wanted to go over where we stand right now in the second round, and what are the Toronto Maple Leafs going to do? I mean, what is going to happen with this team if they get swept, uh, or even if they lose? And I don't think they're coming back and winning four straight against Florida. Panthers are going to win this series. If not tonight, they will wrap it up within the next couple of days, and they'll advance to the conference final. Like, who would have thought, right, back in December when I was there, Talking to Steve Goldstein, their television voice, that this would be a team that would go to the Final Four. But that looks like what's going to happen. So what, what does Toronto do? Fire the general manager. There's speculation that Dumas can end up going to Pittsburgh. And if that's the case, he may fire Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan may become the head coach of the Rangers. I mean, there's so many moving parts right now. But something has to be done. Because it's not just about getting out of the first round for the first time in 19 years. It's about living up to your expectations. All right, you, you cannot look at a season as a success because you didn't do what you typically do. All right? You've put yourself in a situation where not going to the second round in 19 years becomes an accomplishment. But really, outside of your own walls, is it really an accomplishment with all this talent that's invested in all these forwards, all the money that's been generated uh, in these contracts... For this team, to, for it to be acceptable to possibly get swept out of the second round by a team, granted it's a good team. It's a team that won the President's Trophy last year, but at the same time, it's a team that was eminently beatable and you couldn't do it. Just like you couldn't beat Montreal in a big spot, just how you, you couldn't beat Tampa when you had a 3-2 series lead last year in the first round, or all the times you blew leads against Boston. So there's going to have to be accountability. So you can't sit there and pat yourself on the back. Look at us. We made it to the second round. What are you talking about? Look what we accomplished. Well, look around you. Is that considered a success? How is it any different than the Rangers who banged their coach after getting bounced in the second round after going to the conference final the year before that? I mean, the expectations are large in Toronto, and just because you haven't been able to do it in two decades doesn't mean you've now set the new standard for what's acceptable. So I think they're going to blow it up. Now, teams have come back from 3-0 down. I wouldn't count on this Toronto team to do it. They're a perimeter team. Their goaltending has not been great. And Florida's a flat-out better team. Put everything aside that you saw in the regular season. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the regular season doesn't have meaning. Of course it has meaning. But I'm not going to judge the Florida Panthers on things they did in October and November and December. I'm going to base on what I've seen when the heat's been turned up. And Barkov has become just a flat-out star. And Bobrovsky, we talked about this with EJ back on Monday. You know, Bobrovsky's won six straight games. Bobrovsky's got 360 career wins. Bobrovsky's won two Vesna trophies. Now, recently he hasn't maybe lived up to those expectations, but he has proven that he can be a good goaltender at stretches, and I think this is an exceptionally dangerous team. Now you look at what happened last night in New Jersey, Carolina's on the verge of advancing to the conference final, up 3-1 on New Jersey, and Devils are in a little bit of a different situation. You know, young team, uh, inexperienced team, and I brought this up on the Michael K show when talking about the Knicks. There's a difference between the first round and the second round, okay? First round is kind of like, I hate to say it, first round adjacent, it's... You know, that's why you have so many upsets, so many fluky things happen because it's the first round. Then you get to the second round, everybody's won a playoff series, you kind of got rid of the flotsam and jetsam, and now it's on. You're going up against the Carolina team that's kind of been there, done that. Maybe they haven't won a cup, but they've been to the playoffs a bunch of times, ton of experience. they got a coach who captained a team to a Stanley Cup championship back in 2006, and they just look like they are just not as good as Carolina. Maybe it's matchups, whatever. But they had a 1-0 lead late in the first period, feeling good that they were going to even the series. And then they gave up a late goal to H's at the end of the first period and then five unanswered goals in the second period to win the game 6-1. And even one win they had back on Sunday, 8-4, sloppy, three shorthanded goals. The goaltending has been abysmal. Let's be honest. In this series, it's been terrible. And I don't know what the Devils are going to do <clears throat> as far as taking that next step. Vanacek had a very good regular season, 33 wins, but he has not been good here in the postseason. Schmid, I don't know what his future is. I probably would have him start tomorrow just because he had won three in a row in the Rangers series, and that's what you need to do to stay alive here. So they probably go back to him, but the goaltending's a mess. So I think the Devils can hang their head even if they lose tomorrow. Hey, we won around, We gained some experience. But it was meant against boys last night. I mean – Carolina is not known for their offense, and they've scored six goals, four goals in a loss, you know, the six goals and, and five goals, 11 goals in the first two wins in Carolina. I mean, they've been the best offensive team in the second round, and they're probably the worst offensive team when you look at the numbers going into the series. And That's how bad the goaltending has been for New Jersey. And also, give Carolina credit, Devils had 22 shots on goal. You know, that's not going to cut it. So whether it's Anderson, whether it's uh, – Um, uh, ronta when he comes back and he's finally healthy whoever the goaltender is in carolina you're not facing a ton of shots you scores early and then that was it almost no threat so good on the devils for what they've accomplished so far but it looks like it's gonna be a carolina florida conference final and i I don't want to hear oh my god they're gonna espn and tnt stop it i mean it's hockey okay It'll get whatever number it gets. The, the contract has already been sold, okay? I kind of find it funny. Like the NBA, oh, they're salivating at getting the Lakers in the final against the Knicks or, you know, whatever. The, the contract's already sold, all right? You're going to get what you're going to get, all right? So good on those teams for advancing, and we'll see how sexy it ends up being, but I'm going to be watching. And I'm going to be having fun with it. And Seattle, they're now tied with Dallas. You knew Dallas was going to respond, banged up on the blue line, but still. We've seen this from Seattle before. I wouldn't get crazy. You know, Seattle lost that game six in the first round to Colorado, only to come back and win game seven on the road. So that series is far from over. It's the best of three with two of those potential three games being in Dallas. But I fully expect uh, the Kraken to respond, and I would not be surprised if either of those two teams win. I told you I love Dallas, but the Kraken have really shown me something. And then an interesting series between Vegas and Edmonton. Uh, That was a great response from Vegas in the first game in Edmonton. Not that surprising considering how Vegas has played on the road this year. That's why I'd be very careful if I'm the Oilers because this Vegas team can win on the road. And if you go down 3-1, you're in a lot of trouble. So that explosive power play, that explosive offense of Edmonton held to just the one goal. So this is a huge, huge game tonight. If Edmonton can respond, get this thing even. And then it kind of puts things in interesting perspective for Vegas, who has not been great at home. So do they feel like they have an advantage now in what would be a best of three with two of those three games being in Vegas? Very interesting to tell. And um, we'll take a look and see who ends up being in goal because I really thought it was a tremendous job after the injury that you saw that they were able to go uh, and change the goaltender. And I thought that was, a, that was a huge response by the Golden Knights to be able to get uh, Hill in there and Hill responded. So we'll see what Broussois' um, situation is. A ton of goaltenders to choose from with the Golden Knights, but uh, I thought Aiden Hill really did a tremendous job coming in in relief and stabilizing things for the Vegas Golden Knights. So we'll see if he ends up being in net tonight. So a couple of games, Leafs on respirator, down three games to none at 7 o'clock. Golden Knights and the Oilers will be the late game at 10, both games on ESPN. The other thing I wanted to get off my chest is the Chicago Blackhawks winning the Bedard sweepstakes. I, I, I love a conspiracy theory, I do. Anybody that knows me personally, I'll sit there and listen to all the conspiracy theories that the moon landing was in a studio, that nine eleven 11 the buildings really were exploded and not ran into by planes. I, I'll listen to them. Not, some of them I believe, some of them I don't believe. By the way, the two that I mentioned I do not believe, okay? But point is I'll sit there and listen to any conspiracy theory. But sports conspiracy theories are funny because... It really depends on your perspective, right? So if you're Anaheim, if you're Columbus, of course they wanted Chicago to win at Chicago. They don't want Bedard in Columbus. They don't want Bedard in Anaheim. They want him in a major market, original 16. And if Chicago didn't get it, and let's say it was somebody else, Anaheim and Columbus, notwithstanding because of the fact that they were ahead of Chicago, but let's say Montreal won it. People in Chicago be like, of course they want him in Montreal. They want him in a Canadian team. Canadian team hasn't won a cup in 30 years. Of course they want Bedard in Montreal. And of course they don't want him in Chicago after the controversy with Beach. So no matter how you look at it, you can spin a web of conspiracy. Fact is, this is highly scrutinized and there is no impropriety. All right. That was just complete luck of the draw. And that's how it goes down. Now, is it a good thing yeah probably not i mean it's not a great optic to see the blackhawks be able to land the greatest prospect since maybe mcdavid and crosby but a lot of the guys if not all of them that were involved in that conspiracy are gone right stan bowman is gone joel quinville is gone and and, and, you know everybody has moved on or was fired so do you are you allowed to get up and move on now And then there's the uh, the tanking aspect of it. Yeah, it didn't look like Chicago was that interested in winning, but they still only had the third best chance. If they were tanking, they didn't do a good enough job because the Ducks and the Blue Jackets had better odds and more ping-pong balls to be able to lamb it hard. And the other thing is the proof of the conspiracy because of the fact that friend of the show, Kevin Weeks, had mentioned that the Columbus Blue Jackets fell to three before it was announced. That is a television faux pas it was a mistake. All these things are done before the production. And somebody obviously grabbed a cue card they weren't supposed to or Kevin Weeks spoke out of school. The fact that Kevin said no comment because he's such a good guy tells me that he did not want to throw somebody under the bus. So can we just move on from that? Memo to the NHL and a memo to, to our company here at ESPN. Tighten it up. I mean, nearly 700,000 people watched that. You know, so it's not nothing. It's not, it, you know, it's not like it was back in the old days where nobody but Canadians are paying attention to it. So you got to up your game a little bit. I mean, the NHL's on the uptick. People are paying attention. The ratings have been good. The games have been good. There's been major discussion. You've got a tremendous player that's coming out uh, eligible to be drafted coming up in late June. Tighten it up. Don't allow those mistakes to happen because then you get people gaining traction about the conspiracy theories. So can we stop with all the conspiracy theories? Thought it was interesting, though. Thought I'd throw it out there. Let's go to your um, tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag gay misconduct. Always the way to get in touch with us before we bring Rob into the fold here. Joe says, hey, Don, the kids didn't have a great playoff of the Rangers. They could have been better, but everyone wants good enough. Everybody wasn't good enough, but the blacklash from some of the fans is unfair. They had third-line assignments, no power play time versus a tough Hughes line. Give them top six. Well, how do you give them top six? You know, everybody's coming back. I mean, I know everybody's fantasizing about Panarin being moved. He's got a mo- no movement clause. Abanajad's not going anywhere. Kreider's not going anywhere. So, he Lafreniere, Kako. Kako and, and Lafreniere need contracts. Heedle's already gotten a contract. Um, you, you bring those guys back, but where are you going to put them? I think Kako deserves more minutes. I think he did prove that he's a great stick handler. He creates his own opportunities. If you wanted to move him to a second line in the top six, fine. I don't know if you could do that with Lafreniere. And if you really want to make a splash and, and and free up some contract space, Lafreniere may be collateral damage. And And – And I know it's like, how do you get rid of a first overall pick? But honestly, you got to get over that. All right, it wasn't a great draft. You look at it now. Yes, Stutzla should have been the pick, but nobody thought that at the time. Lafreniere was the consensus number one pick, but he's being held to a standard that he just—he's not eligible to do. I know he was a first overall pick. I get it but you can't look at him as a first overall pick because he's not that type of player. Doesn't mean he's not a good player. Doesn't mean he can't eventually become a great player. But I'm sorry, he's not McDavid. He's not Stamkos. He's not Hughes. He's not. So don't keep treating him like he's a first overall pick. Treat him for what he is. And he's a nice player, but right now, the way I look at him, going into a season that's going to be very important for the Rangers, I do not see a top six forward. Heedle, I see. Kako, I see a little bit less, but I do see. Lafreniere, I don't. So if I get an offer on Lafreniere, if I can move him rather than give him a contract just for the sake of him being a first overall pick, I think i listen. Daisy Ranger says, Don, I've never been more mad about a player than I am now about Panarin. As far as I'm concerned, as long as he's on the team, they're never going to win anything. Your thoughts? Well, this is kind of like the Colin Cowherd argument. You'll never win with Carmelo Anthony. Obviously, you're not going on that weak of a limb to say, Panarin, you can't win with Panarin. He's, he's never won a Stanley Cup. You know, um, you know, the Rangers have won one cup in 83 years, so you're not really going on that you know, crazy of a limb. But the, the fact is, he's had back-to-back 90-plus point seasons. You do have to be successful in the regular season. Again, most of it has come on the power play. He did have 16 points in the three rounds last year, including the game-winning goal in Game 7 on the power play. He's got a no-movement clause. I don't know what you do. I think the right coach can bring the right out of him, but I'm a little sensitive to just pinning everything on Panarin. I know Kreider had a good series statistically, but there were times he disappeared. You know, Jad did not have a great series against the Devils. I don't think Keandre Miller did. I don't think... uh, Really, anybody can feel like, outside of Igor Shosturkin, anybody can feel really proud about what they did in that seven-game series. Panarin's an easy guy to beat up because he's supposed to be your best player. And he's supposed to be Hughes. And he's supposed to be you know doing what Pavelski's been doing. He's supposed to be, at least in the neighborhood of what you've seen from Drysidle. He hasn't. But in the regular season, when you're trying to make the playoffs, which is not a fait accompli, by the way. I mean, sometimes you take a, t- a couple of ticks away You know, you may not make the playoffs, right? I mean, you take a look at that division. Where are the Devils going? Where are the Hurricanes going? I I think Washington has got some cap room. They could be back. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to get healthy. They're going to get a healthy line A. They're going to have, you know, um, uh, Johnny Gaudreau's not going anywhere. I mean, I think they're a well-run organization. I think they can certainly get better. So you still need to produce and win games in the regular season in order to be able to, to to compete for a division, get home ice, make the playoffs. So you just can't throw away a player because you're mad at him for what he's done in the postseason. When he's like, how do you how are you going to replace that production in the regular season? Certainly not with anybody that's on your current roster now. Jacob says for the Leafs, assuming they lose tonight, is it more devastating to be swept and embarrassed by Florida? in the conference semifinals or just exit in the first round for another year. They had to get out of the first round, man. I mean, because the next year would be 20 years of getting bounced in the first round. They had to win. So even if they get swept and they lose tonight, it's it's still better than losing in the first round. It just is. It still stings because everybody felt Florida. Look at all those fans outside the building when they won against Tampa. You know, we want Florida. Well, you got them, and they stuck it right up your know-what. Your know you know sweeping you possibly in four games embarrassing no question but they couldn't go a 20th consecutive year missing out on the second round just can't do that that would have been a colossal embarrassment for sure another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's now time for our guest. He is the lead singer of Generation Kill, one of the best voices in thrash metal and a good friend from Rockland County, North Bergen, uh, the northern New Jersey area, which is so underrated for great Heavy metal and thrash metal, and he's Rob Dukes and he joins us here on Game Misconduct. How are you, buddy? How's Arizona? I'm
1: I'm good, man. It's uh, beautiful out today. It's,
0: it's nice beautiful. here too. It's
1: like seventy degrees and uh beautiful weather, man.
0: Out here. Uh well the people may not know. I mean, you're you're you know, great in the uh, the metal community, but you're a huge, huge hockey fan, huge Ranger fan. That's how we met came to the Garden. You gave me a bunch of swag. You were with uh, Exodus at the time, and uh, now you moved on to Generation Kill. Got a chance to see it. at uh, Ding Bats back in January. You guys were amazing, but uh, you are a huge Ranger fan, and I'm sure very disappointed that they got bounced in the first round, especially by who they got bounced by.
1: Wow, it was the worst. It was the, It was the worst feeling in the world.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know... I, I'm not sure how it happened. I mean, I, I listen. I wasn't surprised it was a long series, Rob. But you know, you, you, you cry I called the first two games of the series. You win ten two in the first two games. I mean, I, I so I, I wasn't thinking it was going to go seven after they won game two.
1: I didn't either, man. I I I, I thought it was going to go five. That was my original, and I thought the Rangers were going to the first two games. I was like, you know, then to watch them come out and be. It was almost like watching them play against the trap system, you know, back in the old days, and to not be able to get that first pass out and constantly just, you know, it was like they were in their own zone the whole time. And I was like, "What is going on? Did you guys forget how to play hockey?" And then, you know, Hristokin uh, was standing tall, and the team just—it just—it was crazy to watch. It was—it was disheartening. And then you had that uplifting game six where you felt okay. All right, we're back, and then, and then to lose Game Seven um, was just uh, heartbreaking.
0: No, it heartbreaking, wasn't. and they just couldn't win any battles. It was just, it it just was an ugly, ugly scene in, in Game Seven. I was there, and who are you the most mad at, Rob?
1: Ah, uh, man, it was. Uh, you know, it's. You know, it's. This is a team that you love all the players, so it's hard to be mad at guys. You know, um, I wasn't mad at. Uh, Panarin, even though I was like let down, I thought he could have played better. But I do know that he got caught in it. And, you know, like he plays a certain style and they and they figured it out and they gave him no space. And when he has no space he's he's not very effective and, and instead of just dumping the puck deep he goes east west. Next thing you know they're going the other direction and those kind of mistakes and those kind of things kept uh just kept happening, you know. Um Kreider played himself, but I don't think he was, I thought he was one of the better players even though, you know, he kind of just uh, like went away after game two, and uh same with Mika, and, and man, I don't know if it's, I wasn't mad at Kalanta, I, I I just I don't know, man, it's hard to be mad at somebody Uh <clears throat> because he, cause I love him so much but it was disappointing Um I wish they figured it out, I wish they figured out how to Get past that defense and get out of that neutral zone and get deep, and yeah,
0: and then, yeah. And you see Carolina have like zero trouble doing that in the next round, and it just frustrates you even more.
1: Yeah, Dallas <laughs> got him in the one game, and I was like, ah, there's no way Brandon Moore's gonna let it happen again. And last night he proved it. Now we're not gonna let that happen again. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what do you say? How? I mean, uh, what, what is your take on what happened?
0: I think what happened was is that they they got frustrated. Man, I, I don't know how to explain the game seven. You know, I, 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 I did they maybe underrate the Devils after the way they wiped the floor with them in the first two games. You know, maybe, but they should have woke up after the overtime loss in game three. But if you really look deep at it, you know their power play abandoned them. You know, in those first two games, they they scored four power play goals in their first seven opportunities in the first two games. Went one for twenty one yeah. the rest of the way. And then you look back at those first two games, you say, wow, well, what would have happened if they didn't score those two power play goals in each of those games? That maybe things would have been different. I, I think their their special teams really abandoned them. Then they gave up the shorthanded goal. They gave the devils confidence as the series wore on. And then I just game seven, it just they look like a frustrated team. Because they always yeah. work hard but sometimes you know when you get just so frustrated that you just you don't know what to do with yourself and they look like they were getting out i just think they couldn't find an answer
1: yeah do you think it was uh, do you think the exit navy do you think it was the coaching do you think it was had something to do with it i mean listen you know this this is a billion dollar business you don't just fire your coach for no reason because you didn't you know you didn't produce the guy produced we did we went over 100 points two years in a row and you know we were a, a good team um you know we were i mean i don't think we got out of the playoff
0: spot since like december so yeah. it wasn't like he doesn't know how to win you know what i mean he's well, a play coach i don't know well that's what happened man i mean i was surprised about it too but we, we learned, we had E.J. Raddick on Monday, and he said that he, he from what he understands back in November when they were struggling, when they lost to Chicago, remember, and Truba threw his helmet, yeah. that yep. Drury was kicking the tires on Quinville and Trotz, that he was thinking mm. of making a move then. So it kind of goes back to the Tampa series. I think Drury and Gallant were buttonheads, and then the, the Rangers got hot, and he couldn't do anything about it. But this... I think we're looking at what happened in the Devil series. It sounds like this stems back to blowing the two-game lead against Tampa, and Drury and Gallant just not really seeing eye to eye, and he took the Devil loss as an opportunity to make a move. Mm.
1: that's a that's a good theory. Um, yeah, I don't, I never saw like you know because I wasn't at, I wasn't, I only went to one game this year out here in Phoenix, so uh, you know I wasn't able to. You know, they don't show you too much. I don't know any stories about him um, right. arguing with the players. Um, I know uh, Tarasenko did have, went back and forth with him. I, I read it at one point, but other than that, I didn't read much. So it sounded like the players liked him. Um, I only heard a couple of the exit interviews. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't. I, they didn't put blame on him. They no. blamed him themselves. So... But, you know, he knows what goes on behind, you know, the closed doors kind of stuff. But I don't know if it was if it was Glance I mean, he tried everything, man. He tried mixing up the lines. He tried everything he could, and it just was not working. And uh, I'm sure that was just as frustrating for him as it was for the players. And you're right, they did. They seemed dejected, and in in, uh, especially after that first goal in Game 7. Mm-hmm. It just it took all the air out of them. You could see it on the bench, their faces, the way they were sitting there. Yeah. Um, and I wish that it wasn't. And I think even if they did get past the Devils I, the way Carolina's
0: playing, I don't think they were going to get past them the way they were playing. I mean, yeah, just you would from, from love Carolina the opportunity good. to do it, though, man. That would have been nice.
1: Yeah, me too, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would have been, uh, who knows, it could have been a, a miracle season like last year, which was just, you know, uh, you know was so great to watch and then to watch it just completely come apart.
0: So we got yeah, a lot we, in common, man. We're both metal fans. We're both hockey fans. I've always found similarities in heavy metal and and hockey because they're both. They, I always felt like they're kind of both disrespected by the uh, the the immediate public, right? Like you got you, when we were growing yeah. up, we had to hunt to get hockey information. We had to hunt to find yeah. music. You know, no no radio station was playing metal, and people kind of looked at you cockeyed. You had to go back. You know, you'd have to go to the the, the record record town and go in the back of the of the place to buy those old like venom records and slayer records and stuff same like hockey everybody's talking basketball football baseball did you you feel the same way that like being a hockey fan and being a metal fan have a lot of similarities
1: oh yeah especially i mean yeah because it was the it's the the redheaded stepchild of sports you know what i mean (laughs) it's the least one you know it's uh you know it 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 has the, the least money and the players get paid the least and there's you know but uh in my world then it was always number 1 i remember like you grew up watching uh on channel 9 channel 11 um you know every game i could but uh you you know you could only read it and uh you know the my my stepdad worked for the you know new york post so i could read you know the articles there and uh you know, uh and it was just like yeah. And you know it it is it was a lot like metal because now we were underground. You know, we yeah. had our, our we had our haircuts and we had our uh you know, um I remember I remember I, I was doing a gig in Philly and I was wearing my Rangers jersey and people were just so angry. <laughs> like, you know, and are and, and i mean they were spitting on me and uh and and i you know i was giving it back to them but and then after the show i'm walking through the crowd and and uh and people were like just breaking balls and it was it was it was awesome you know because hockey fans are, are like that they're going to they're going to you know and metalheads are the same way they're going to you, know, yeah. you know go find you cuz you what music you like you know if you're all oh, you're a punk rocker oh and it was it used to be a lot of that back in the day and uh, and hockey and metal and you know I I, I used to, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of hockey players and Brendan Witt uh, is a friend of mine and he told mm-hmm. me that he was the first one cranking metal in the in the locker room you uh, know because nowadays it's a lot of classic rock a lot of techno stuff and and uh, it's a lot different than it used to be but
0: that is awesome man because in seeing you live and how intense you are and as I said I saw you ding bats and you. You playing an Exodus song for me, which I really appreciate. And uh, you know, it, 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 it's the I would think the intensity has to be the same, right? Just to pour yeah. yourself out like that is just so unique to like sports and music. That's where the connection is because for every shift that you know, block a shot or just try to get through, you're probably doing the same on stage.
1: Absolutely, you give it. You give it everything you have. Um and, you know, the, sometimes, the the smaller shows are, where it's one, you know, uh, you know, people are right in front of you and the, you know, it, it's, you, you just, you give it more. I've done huge festivals. I've played to over 150,000 people and, and, uh, they're really far away. You still try to give it your all cause you're trying to, to give it there. But sometimes, uh, the smaller shows were always more fun cause they were more insane Right, people right there in your face, you know, and. Um, you know, I can imagine playing hockey's the same way, man. I mean I I, I love the sport I i I I even though my team's not playing right now, I still watch every game every night. And uh you know, um last night was what it was awesome watching the doubles lose. I mean, to be uh <laughs> that guy, but I was that guy last night when uh Carolina scored. I was like, Yeah <laughs> Um but you know that's how passionate it is. I only like the Rangers. I do not like anyone else. I will go to the Coyotes here when the Rangers play, and uh, you know all my new, all my friends in Arizona they're all Coyotes fans, and and uh, you know we uh, we have our little battles, which is cool, um, and and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a a passionate sport that I I love dearly, and uh, so, I love my Rangers, man.
0: So who's the team to beat now? You think?
1: Um, I think Carolina is the team, but Florida is really surprising. Um, yeah, that's going to be. A, uh, they, they play an unbelievable game when the, when it was on the line. Uh, that first series was great, and um, I mean, I'm really surprised by Seattle. I mean, that's like a that's like a Cinderella story, right? You know, two years in, and you're already in the in the in the Stanley Cups. You know, so. Seattle, I, I don't know if Edmonton's gonna pull it out. Um, and uh Toronto's gonna probably lose tonight. Uh, and they'll be out. But they made it past the first round, right?
0: Yeah. Finally. So, Almost twenty go. years. Yeah. I, I want Edmonton. I mean listen, I I, I listen, we, we have our allegiances. I just love watching Edmonton play. I just wanna see them continue to win because watching McDavid and Dry is just so special.
1: Yeah, it is. It's like you know, back in the in the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like there's there are two special players. I think I don't know if it's their goalie. I, I, definitely their defense is not holding their up at their end of the game. So I mean that's where that, that hole is and uh defensively they're just uh not up to the task. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna pull it off. But if they do I'll be surprised. But we'll see.
0: Well, you mentioned um, getting into I mean, hockey with the Rangers back, you know, turning on channel 9 when you were a kid. What what got you in the metal? What
1: got me in the metal was uh my uncle gave me uh, a Black Sabbath. He gave me yeah. uh the Black Sabbath album and I was about probably 8 years old, 9 years old and that led to uh Judas Priest. Um I don't think rush is metal, but it led to rush mm-hmm. and it just led me to those and then you know I and then of course in school the guys that like that too I gravitated to so then we all started sharing uh albums you know and then you know I don't, I know don't, I'm sure you were part of the tape trading system back sure. then I I got a tape of um it was a band they were actually playing hit the lights but it wasn't Metallica. It was a it was a band just playing that song with no vocals, and someone gave it to me, and I'm like, "What is this?" And I had and I did I remember searching out, and finding out what it was, and then finding uh, Metallica. I mean, I'd already listened to like Thin Lizzy and Iron Maiden and, and those bands and Priest and all. Um, but once I found that, that just changed the game. I mean, they were the game changer of of metal for me, and. uh and always have. I, I mean, I, I, I Metallica is one of the best bands ever. Yeah, uh, do music, you know, and that was, and then you know, of course, that set me down to you know, GPH, Exploited, you know, uh, it just you know, it, it Agnostic Front, and sure. and uh, and then, so it just kind of like you know, I, you know, I've always listened to everything from you know Miles Davis to Metallica, man. I mean, I've always listened to everything, and um, you know, it was. Uh, it was you know I gotta let my dog in she's freaking out Um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry Um, yeah I've always just listened to everything and uh, that's benefited me because it's uh, you know my time when I joined Exodus you know I was uh, just a guitar tech I've actually never really been a singer in a band and um, it gave me the ability to understand how it worked you know I mean Mm -hmm. I played guitar and I was and but you know that was my my introduction to the music world. The beam resistance was was just it was trial by fire, man. I yeah. Jump in and, and do it, and uh, it worked out for me. And
0: uh, yeah, you know what happened to me, Rob, is that you know, I was you know in high school it was Priest, it was Maiden, um, you know Motley Crue, those, those types of bands. Then when I got to college and I started doing my radio show, that's when I got exposed to. Um, you know, Slayer and Merciful Fate and Exodus, and then the the one album I don't know if you remember I, I mentioned it earlier in the interview that took me over the top was Venom at War with Satan, and yeah. I got I got it in the import lot and in, in Record Town, and like I I just could not believe that there was a band out there like that, and and it just exposed me to so much more, and I and I still love the Maidens and the Priest, but getting exposed to you know, King Diamond and Merciful Fate and Venom and Slayer just took it all to just a different level. So uh, that's why I was able to appreciate, you know, Generation Kill and what, everything that you've done because I just feel that there is just another level that the music gets to when you get to to thrash and it just and when once you're taken there and you're captivated by it, it's really it's really tough to shake it.
1: Yeah, I mean. It seems that metalheads—that's they really, once they it grabs them like like it grabbed you and it grabs me. You, you love it. You you just you you it, you need it. You know, and you search it out for more and more and more and like the level now of musicianship among some of the Swedish death metal bands like In Flames, uh, Hypocrisy. Um, You know, uh, dark funeral. uh, I mean, it is—it's incredible. It used to be so. Like, I remember grabbing that Venom record when I was a kid, and it wasn't very good. They weren't very technical. You know, they—if you wanted technical, you could listen to you know Ozzy Osbourne with Randy Rhodes and and that era stuff. And but they had something that the songs were dark, and they were. They were sinister, and they gave you that uh, you know that feeling like a like a horror movie did. It gave you there was actually it made you feel ominous, you know. And um, and there are bands doing that now that are uh, you know that are it's just awesome to watch. And live, uh, you know, you can go see a band. Um, I went. Hypocrisy uh, is one of my favorite like Swedish death metal bands, you know. And mm-hmm. live, they are incredible. I mean, they are it's 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 like hearing the record but there's just a nuance to it and and the in between they have all the great lighting and all the great imagery and to go with it and it's just uh they you know a lot of the bands are doing that flare was kind of doing that toward the end with the, with the fire and and uh I, you know i went on tour with slayer twice oh. and watched him i watched him every night for a month you know uh you know we did two tours and and uh, just every single night, every single night, you know, um, I was there at Jeff's last show, and then uh, when I we played together in, in France, and uh, hung out with all those guys. Be uh, you know, right before we got bit by the spider, we were uh, playing a bunch of festivals together, and uh, still friends with them to this day. You know, of course, you know, because Gary was in the band, and uh, you know, uh, yeah
0: music yeah, was man st- it's, uh can you,
1: can you imagine the world without it
0: no and, and, you know and I mean? it, it opened my mind like and it, and it, and it was something too. because i think we're around the same age right i'm 55 so yeah. how old are you yeah i'm 55 yeah. so you yeah. you know what it was like you know it's one thing to kind of defy your parents and, and and metal kind of did that it kind of like oh you're crossing the line What what's this you know What's this album you know with with uh you know eddie from uh, iron maiden or or the or the priest albums yeah. but then when you started coming home with the with celtic frost and slayer it's like it it, it 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 to a different level like i'm really going into something like it's one thing to defy your parents you're going into another realm here and i never bought into you know all the satan worshiping stuff and all but but there was just something about like that type of music it's like wow i'm really going someplace where not everybody you know f- people fear to tread you no?
1: absolutely yeah my I so I, I was living with my grandparents last
0: night and they
1: uh they didn't they did as long as I got C's I could do whatever I wanted you know <laughs> okay. what I mean? as long as I wasn't C's doing so uh but uh they loved um that I was interested in music that I loved that I was you know playing guitar and playing piano and and uh yeah I played in all the bands at school and you know as long as I got decent grades they, they didn't really bother me too much and uh you know um it was when I started getting heavily tattooed. That's when uh, everyone was like, "Uh oh." There you go. But that was wasn't be- that wasn't because of metal. I mean, I actually, I got it was starting to because I I I got obsessed with uh, being tattooed and, and getting tattooed and and part of the whole culture, and uh, they kind of went together. But one had really had nothing to do with the other because it you know tattoos got real popular in the last ten years. Well. You know, I had a, a close to a full bodysuit. Uh, you know, you know, 20 years ago, so um, it was something that happened way before. And and uh, and you know, uh, it, it's it's definitely a culture of people. And I've I've met some really good life lifelong friends because of music. You know, and that's incredible. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, to have friends that I was in high school with, I'm still friends with them because of music because mm-hmm. we all kind of had the same way of thinking like you and i i mean you and i when we met man it's like i felt like i would known you my whole life
0: <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> to talk to and you share that minutes, bond so.
0: and i feel like that way with yeah. hockey too it's like there's just something like that you're a hockey guy you're a metal guy you're just you're one of us yep. you know you're in the club and not everybody's you know cares about the club but we do so what, what do you got yeah. going on anything happening with generation kill any uh any any gigs anything you um, want to promote
1: um, I would like to, but I the two tours that I have, uh, I haven't signed a contract on yet, so I can't talk about them until I do. But we we will be uh, in the New York area uh, a couple times this year, um, playing uh, with a, with a like an old school band. And other than that, not really, man. The album is MK Ultra. It came out. It's on uh, Spotify and, and Apple Music and all the stuff, all the streaming. Um, and and that's about it, man. I'm just uh, right now building a car, and uh, in my house, and um, that's what I do for a living. I restore old uh, cars, uh, and right now I'm working on a '68 Beetle, and uh, waiting to go on tour, and, and that's awesome. about it. Man. And I got
0: to tell you, we yeah, missed watch. we missed each other at Mullet Arena this year. I was call, I was filling in for Kenny, so I I was on the call for that one. We missed each other, but if if I if I'm yeah. on the call for Rangers Coyotes next year at Mullet Arena, man, we got to hook up.
1: Absolutely, man. I'll take you out to lunch before the game or dinner. We'll go hang out and and, uh, and talk music and and hang out. Yeah, man. Absolutely.
0: Well, yeah. you're the best, man. Thanks uh, for this. This was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks, buddy. It was great talking to you, man. And yeah. I will talk to you soon.
0: You're right, man. Go Rangers.
1: Go Rangers.
0: All right, that's Rob Dukes from Generation Kill, and uh, just really great talking to him. So, if you're a hockey fan that's not a metal fan, I guess that maybe wasn't for you. But I got to tell you, that was a lot of fun to get a chance to talk to him. There's just something I think the similarities of metal and hockey that kind of blend together. You're a hockey guy, you're a metal guy. Um, I know Ray Denehan, who I work with over at ESPN, kind of feels that way because not everybody's in the metal, not everybody's in the hockey, but you get that kind of combination. You feel like you're there's a kinship. You're in kind of a an exclusive club, and it's a lot of fun. So, hopefully, you enjoyed that as much as I did. So, thanks a lot to Rob for that. Couple of games tonight: Leafs, Panthers, seven o'clock. Panthers can finish off the Leafs in a sweep. Ten o'clock, it's the Golden Knights and the Oilers. Vegas leads that series. Two games to one. Back with you again on Friday. Want to get in touch with me? Best way to do that is at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. We'll talk to you then. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast
1: with Don LaGreca.